The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. Um, so my baby turned 16 this week, uh, just because we're doing family news. Um, I mean, it wasn't, didn't feel like that long ago she was like that, and so uh, super excited, just proud of Bella. And, you know, people ask you who have younger kids, like, oh my gosh, it's, that's so crazy. Like, how is it? How does it feel? And it, you know, it just is sometimes, right? Like, it's, that, this is how things work. Like, I can't believe it. How does that even happen? Like, well, you know, the, the earth goes around the sun every 365 days a year, and there's a year tacked onto our life. Like, it's, it just happens, right? Like, that's how it works. We, we move along. We, we grow older, and, and like, ah, oh, don't you just wish you can go back? And yeah, I mean, there's times I look at a picture, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'd love to hold that again. But then I look at her now, like, no, I, I want that now. I, I want what is happening right now. And I love, I love this moment. I love the young woman that she is at, at 16 and, and the things that she does today. And so, uh, so it's really cool. And, 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 I, and I, there's always those times you're like, man, I wish I spent a little more time here and there. But uh, I'm just grateful. I mean, I'm grateful for you, Bella, for being who you are. And so, um, I, you know, Amy and I had her when we were probably 25. And, and, you know, I don't know if anyone knows what they're doing with their first kid, but we definitely didn't. Um, and Amy and I celebrated our 19th like a week ago, so we're, we're celebrating 19 years um, of our wedding at, running at her. So yeah, don't, that's okay. That wasn't as much applause as the babies, but um, we were 21 years old, and so we've, we've, I've kind of had this on my heart over the next, you know, couple months or so, or at least we'll see how it goes, but kind of dive into some conversation around relationships. And relationship, we're all in relationship kind of all the time, right? Most of the time, unless you're completely alone, then you're still arguably in a relationship with yourself and with God. But we're in these relationships, and part of it, yeah, is going to be the marriage stuff. Like, we're going to, I come from that, we're going to talk about that. But I also just want to say, if you're not married or had been married and are no longer ever, like, there's, you're still in relationships. So we're going to talk about that with family, with friends, with coworkers, because we're in these interactions. And we tend to kind of move the marriage relationship into a special kind of spiritual camp, and it's a sort of exalted corner of how do you get to know God and Adam and Eve. And, and if you're not in that, then you're kind of a less than. I, I don't believe that. I don't even, I believe you can be single and know God just as well as anybody your entire life. I, 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 I don't want to do that to it. I don't want to put that up there. So we're going to kind of talk about it all the way through. And our marriage relationship, there's a certain sacredness to that becoming one, absolutely. Uh, and there's a sp- certainly a spiritual aspect of that. But I believe all our relationships are spiritual. If God is walking with us, your relationships with your other parts of your family and friends and coworker and neighbors and people you don't like or people who don't like you, enemies, however that works— if God is part of how we live on the planet Earth, which he is, and, and humanity relating to one another, those, spir- those relationships have the opportunity for, for spirituality. And to think through that lens a little bit as I engage with people around, the people at Starbucks, like what's happening here in this moment? Is, there, is it just flesh and blood talking to flesh and blood, or is there something else? And so we kind of want to lean into that and this basis of love. And I, and I had kind of dove in, and I may put out this week in a couple places, Genesis 2, which talks about it's not good for man to be alone, and we're going to come back to that. Uh, I was walking the dog last night. It was probably 9-something at night, and I had been studying Genesis 2 throughout the week. And I just, man, I just, I wasn't even talking to God. I didn't really have any time. I didn't really want to hear anything from him at the time. I just need to zone out to my dog. And God just starts kind of whispering some stuff to me about, how he loves us, and that's the foundation of, of all relationship, and this passage came to mind, and I was like, okay, like, maybe for a few weeks, because I'm not going to get into, I'm not going to get to that for tomorrow, and I just had this on my heart, just passed it out of John 11, so we're going to dive into that a little bit today, 
And then we'll come back to the, to the story in, in the beginning of in Genesis in, in a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, so Amy and I were 21 when we get, got married. And I, I don't know, if, when I see 21-year-old kids now, I'm like, you should not be getting married. Like, that should be illegal. Like, who can get married at 21? It's like, heck no. I mean, I mean we, did, we, were just, we were just babies. We were just kids. I know some of you have that story, and, it, and it's obviously working out. But man, when I see you know, a 21-year-old today, they come to Amy and I, we're like, wait a minute. Hold on. Hit the brakes. And it just shouldn't be right. You know, 21 is the drinking age, so maybe that kind of coincides with it. I don't know. But, but we had this sort of, you know, we were, just, we were just kids getting married, and we were excited and in, and in love, obviously. And, you know, we kind of went through some of the premarital stuff. And if you guys done premarital, like sometimes it's going to be really helpful. Sometimes it's, it, it's not as helpful. I think it's good. You should do it. I think what's more important is probably postmarital counseling, right? When you hear the premarital stuff, it's like, you can't even imagine that there's going to be problems in your relationship. Like, you're, you're hearing all this stuff about communication and conflict, and you're like, dude, we love each other. We are not going to fight. I mean, Amy and I were at a couple's house this week. We're, getting, we're doing their wedding next weekend. And like, well, you know, you know, kind of going through some of this stuff. Like, oh, we just talk about everything. Like, it's just, I mean, like, okay, good luck with that. Like, everybody thinks that, you know. Like, we're fine. We're just communicate. We're open. And like, it, it, you kind of go there, but you start walking through this stuff. And I don't know, premarital sometimes it's also if you've done this, you know, we had to workbook and like, hey, do you know how much things cost at the pharmacy and household budgets? And like, we don't have any money. We don't need a budget. So it, it, you kind of work through the stuff that you don't really know where you're going to put that. And one of the things that comes up that, that I, I actually think is super helpful in all our relationships, and we'll, we'll dive into this at another time, but the love language is stuff, which is, you know, to some degree, you know, it feels sometimes cliche if you've been around it, but it's still true and it still plays out in our lives. And so there's this, this idea of, of these love languages that we, how we communicate and how we receive, like what makes you feel loved. And there's these, this, this author, Dr. Sharp guy, wrote, I know he sold like a billion books, Gary uh, Chapman. And the, and the five love, you guys know the five love, love languages, anybody? What's some of them? Shout it out. Acts of service, is that yours? <laughs> Acts of service, gifts, affirmation, physical touch, quality time. Yes, there's these, these love languages that are, are important. And even though if you've been familiar with them and we've all, you know, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of us have the book. Most of us probably haven't read it, but you've scanned it. Like, oh, I get it. And, you know, I have books like that. But they're still important. They still play out. And I remember for Amy and I, that was an important thing for us to sort of wrestle through and really continue to, 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 to do as we go along. Because I'm, I'm just dense and I'm slow and I forget. Or they sort of change. And the other thing for me is a challenge in getting into a relationship, a marriage relationship, any relationship with the girls. Like, I grew up with four brothers, and I had no experience with women. Like, my mom is, is amazing, but she did not, like, she did not teach us about women. She just sort of did her thing. She hung out with boys. You know, she wore, you know, sweatshirts and played football and took us surfing. And so I didn't really learn about, not that you can't do that as women, but I didn't get like the sort of girly stuff or any women's kind of emotional stuff. And maybe she's just buried it so deep because she had to deal with this household of five boys. And I don't know, but I, I didn't understand. I, and I'm still learning, right? So when Bella is, is growing up and she's, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I don't know what's going on. I just said one thing to you, and you're crying. Like, why is that happening? I don't understand that. So I'm, I'm a little bit slow in that way, in that regard anyway. And so I take some recognition of that. Like, I don't know how to do this. And sometimes we need to remember that wherever your relationships are. If you feel like, man, there's some conflict here. I don't feel connection. You're like, All right, maybe I don't. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I don't know what I'm, I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe I'm communicating 
the wrong way? Like, why, why, is, why do I and this person always have this sort of tension, whether that's a, a loved one or, or a coworker or someone you see in passing? Like, what's happening there? What, what am I not doing correctly? Can I, is there something God can do to open up? I mean, the one thing I kind of did know is, is, is gifts, right? Gifts are sort of a love language. I sort of stumbled into that one because people give gifts. I remember that. I knew that. Like, oh, yeah, that's a thing that you do at holidays, gifts. And my family, though, is not real. We were not real big gift givers. We're not big holiday celebration peoples. We had them, but it was sort of a small thing. So it was sort of this token thing. I remember being in high school when you're kind of, you know, I was expected to, to contribute to the, the Christmas Day gifts. Right? I had four younger brothers, and I was 17, 18. I was working. I should have had been able to take care of that. We're getting up on Christmas morning like, oh, shoot, Christmas. And I drove, went to 7-Eleven. It was the only thing open. I go to 7-Eleven. I drive to 7-Eleven, and I, bought, I did my Christmas shopping there at like 7 o'clock Christmas Day morning. And like that, that was sort of the extent of what I can present. My parents were kind of stoked. Some of it was coffee and then whatever junk I could find for my brothers in it. And it sort of worked out. But that's sort of what I was taking into this relationship with Amy. I was, I was barely removed from that guy. Like going to 7-Eleven on Christmas morning. And, and, and I, you know, and I, and I had, you know, learned a few things between 18 and 21, but not much. And, and, I, and I get into this relationship with Amy. And one of the things I knew, like, all right, stuff's coming up like it's, it's gifts. Like, what's the next thing I have to buy a gift for on the calendar? Which I feel like there's a lot of things you have to buy gifts for anymore for, for women. Like, every other month, there's this, sort of this new thing that you have to do. And after, like, a few months or, like, a year, I'm like, shoot, we already did that. We have to do it again? Like, now what do I get? I mean, there's this, there's this pressure on there to, to contribute. And I remember just kind of buying, like, all right, like, I spent whatever money I had on something that whatever you were supposed to, to get. I remember doing that, and I got her some nice things, and, and, and I remember for a while, like, at our time, like, it was Tiffany's and a blue, blue, blah, blue, blah, blue box, and we give that, and that was fun, and she still has some of that stuff, and, 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 it, and it's, it's cool, but I remember thinking, like, I remember a few holidays came around, or birthdays, and, and this still happens, anniversaries, and I'm kind of, I guess this isn't really working. Whatever I just, whatever I did is not getting the reaction that I was looking for. Now, I can keep doing the same thing and hope to get a different reaction out of her, but I've kind of slowly learned, like, that's, something's not working. And, like, and I'd be like, well, I mean, what did you, what did you want? Like, what, what did you expect? And she'd just be like, I'm fine. It's fine. Like, it's fine. And when a woman says it's fine, it means there are so many things that are not fine, she doesn't even know where to begin. Like, it is like, oh, gosh, she is fine. That is the worst that's worse than angry. That's worse than you fill in the blank. Fine is like, I, am, I have hit rock bottom if it's fine. But I've learned, like, okay, you know, gifts are one thing, but Amy's, Amy's love language, love language is, most people ha- have two, sometimes three, but her love language is quality time, affirmation, acts of service, physical touch, and Tiffany's. Like, she wants all things all the time. So I, I have had to sort of grow into that, and some of those things are not stuff I'm, I'm comfortable with. I'm, I'm fairly physical touch. Like, I, I like hugs. I, I'm, I'm, I like pats and that, that kind of thing. And, and, I, and Amy's, that's, like, one of her lower ones. So, like, if we're in a fight, sometimes I just go hug her. And she's like, this isn't helping. <laughs> I love you. She's like, this isn't love, you know. I, I, it's, so you have to work through this stuff in our relationships. And if you're you know, married or, or not married, like it's some of the same things when you're dealing with people. And you learn to communicate more sort of openly and things that we 
you know, maybe we're, we're, we're afraid of, you, you approach, you learn about one another, uh, you're more open with, hey, this is just who I am. I know for, for me and Amy, one of the things that, you know, come up over the years, like, I love movies. I, I love sneaking away to a movie myself. Like, sometimes I prefer that. I'm happy to go with some guys if something comes out, but if I could sneak away myself and, and see a movie for two hours, it's really, like, helpful for me. I just, I can relax, and I love story and narrative, and there's just stuff that it, it, it feeds my soul. It kind of fills my my tanks, but I didn't know like how to broach that with Amy early on, so I would just do it secretly. Like I would just sneak out to a movie during the day, and eventually she kind of caught on. Like you know, she'd find a, t- a ticket in my pocket or, or a receipt, and she's like, "Wait, did you like? Did you see a movie without me?" Uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> who is this? You know, or watching something, and she'll kind of get. She'll look over. Like, did you see this already? Uh, I don't. I don't remember. You know. So sometimes when I ask you, see a movie today. I'm like, did you see a movie today? Like, let's talk about this. But I've kind of had to learn. Like, I just have to do that sometimes. And occasionally she'll just, even if I don't ask, she'll she'll, she'll kick me out of the house. I just go see a movie. If that's what you need to do. But it takes this process of kind of dancing back and forth. Like, hey, this is something I, I do, and it's not because I don't like you, I just, this is just something I, I like to do. And, and we can do, we do movies together, and that's, that's fine too, but sometimes we kind of have to do this, this dance. And ultimately, relationships are hard. That, that relationship takes work. And so if that takes work, and there's something about that, like what are the other areas of relationships, if we talk, talk about relationship with God that, we're, that we have to sort of do this dance with, because God's fine, not fine like that way, but he's, he's good to go. So where are we? If we're not feeling something from God, we could assume like it's not God's fault or God's problem or God's not coming up short. So when we're kind of navigating that, that special loving relationship, it takes a little work on our side to sort of know some things about him. And relationships, they all start out fun, or they should start out fun, right? particularly, right, you're dating your spouse relationship. Sometimes the relationship with a job, you know, you go to a new job, you're excited, or new coworkers, new friends. Like, they, there's, an, there's an initial excitement about anything that's going to last. And there should be. There has to be. If there's no excitement in the beginning, like, what are the chances of it going anywhere? Like, who, who, who continues on in a relationship that does not feel life-giving? Right? Most of us, if you've come into the church at any, any time, like, there was some point, like, man, this thing's real. And I, I love this God, and he loves me. There's an excitement about it that ultimately, you know, it can wear off. It, it does. Time in just erodes awareness sort of of. So you're, you're kind of like, uh, I used to know these things, but I've been here so long, I don't even feel it anymore. It happens if you've been married. For, that could happen if you've been married for a year, 10 years, 50 years, 100 years. If you're, if you're working with friends, I mean, we've all had friends come and go. They seem so exciting at first. Like, yes, we have new friends. Matches up perfectly. And then like, what happened to those friends? That's the sort of seasons that, that come and go. We're at, uh, at Disneyland for Bella's birthday this week, and um, all kinds of stories out of that. But there was this one part I'm walking through, I think it was Frontierland, and there's this mom and her, I think it was like a five-year-old in front of me. And this kid was so excited. He had like on the, the Toy Story Woody vest, and we were entering into like the Wild West land. And this kid was like, Cactus! Woody! Ship! And the mom's like, shh, you don't have to yell about everything. But like he, anything he saw, I mean, he just couldn't believe it. Eyes wide open and just, and just shouting it out. And the mom was like, cool. She wasn't like, shut up. She's like, shh, just tame, tame, tone it down a little bit. 
this kid sort of yelling through the streets. But he's excited over something new, and, that, and that's, a, that's important. And, and, and hopefully he gets to come back because of that. Like, if he didn't care about that stuff, like, mom's maybe, like, less likely to spend the $900 it costs to go to Disneyland to take him back. So, so we have to have that. And then we have to have this sort of seasons of sort of embracing what is the foundation of that, the hard foundation of, of, of that relationship when that sort of stuff wears off. And, and we've all, you know, we all have our love story. You see someone across the room, and I don't know anyone who's been married for any amount of time who, like, their story's like, well, we were at the same place together, and we didn't really notice each other, and I didn't think he was attractive, and he's like, I thought she was boring, but we got married. Like, like nobody does that. Because there's something that sparks in your heart. There's a leap in your heart. It's there you are. I've been looking for you. This is, this is a connection. Certainly husband and wife, but sometimes there's just friends, brothers in the Lord, sisters. We talk about those family relationships in the church. It's like, man, I need this guy. I'm so glad I found this, this, this woman. Like, ah, oh, I've been missing that. And there can be a love that way as well. And God's love, I think the idea of love can even be un- uncomfortable, right? We all need love. It's one of our basis of, like, human existence is love and connection, a doctor, a psychologist, anyone would notice that yeah, we need love and connection. But love, but love is scary for some people, sometimes because you've been hurt, because that sometimes goes along with love, often goes along with love. And so we settle for, like, I'm just going to kind of stay connected because I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about the love thing. We settle for connection because love just seems too scary for us. And I think we could take that into our relationship with God, with our relationship with Jesus, intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm going to just kind of stay connected because, man, if I really dive in, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with what I'm going to find out about myself. I'm not, I'm not comfortable what he may want to do through me. If I can just sort of stay out here, I'll be connected. That's fine. But if I really bear my soul, my deep, deep dark secrets, my fears, my insecurities, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with that. And we talk about God loves you, right? We've heard that God loves you. Jesus loves you. It's, 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 it goes around. And it's almost become so familiar, but, man, God loves you. Like, you are the one he loves. Jesus said this, man. You are the one he loves. You are the one he loves. You are the one he loves. Like, man, that almost should get your heart to leap a little bit. You are the one he loves. But this feels like a little bit slightly uncomfortable when we get too intimate. And turn to the person next to you and say, you are the one he loves. It's a little bit like, you are the one he loves. Like, okay. It's a little more real. makes me feel, like, a little nervous, a little uncomfortable. This is the foundation of a relationship talk. You are the one he loves. Wherever you are, whoever you are, wherever you're sitting, whatever you think about yourself, you are the one he loves. John 11 goes like this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, the sister of Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So his sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Lord, the one you love is sick. Uh, Lazarus was close to Jesus. We will unpack this in, in, in this entirety today, but this whole family was like Jesus' family. Lazarus, Mary, Martha, he spent time with them. They were close to him. They, they loved him. He loved them. If we look at Jesus' story, the second to last week of his life, he spent almost exclusively in their home. In, in Bethany, and this, this, this hometown of Bethany for them is 
It was about a mile and a half from downtown Jerusalem. It was on the slope of the Mount of Olives. So when we see the, toward the end of this story, and especially in John, we talk about the Mount of Olives and the, and the garden. I mean, this is right in the neighborhood of these people. This is where they live. This was home base for, for Jesus. This is where Jesus would go to after a long day, and he'd retreat with, with these friends, and it would, would help fill his, fill his tank. He's close to these, these, these people, these sisters and, 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 and the brother, and he loves them, and, and, and they love him. And Lazarus, this man, he, he, he falls sick, and, and the sisters are, are, his sister's like, man, we, we got to do something here. This is, this is serious. This isn't like a cold, like he's in, he's in bad shape. So they sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is dying. Now, Jesus at this time, super busy. Jesus got started to get pretty busy. People knew about him. He's out in, in homes. He's on hillsides. He's doing healings. He's teaching. Uh, he has an entourage all the time. People are just trying to get to him. He's, he's you know, kingdom, heaven on earth. I mean, it, it's all sort of happening right now. But the sisters say, well, we've got to send a note to him. Jesus, the one you love, is sick. And I love how this note is just this brief note. Jesus being Jesus, the Lord, the one you love is sick. Like, and that was it. And if I have somebody who's sick and I really need God to help, and I know God's busy, I'm like, man, I got to put together a little longer of a note than that. I better, I better explain a little bit why should, should God break from his busy schedule? Why should Jesus come to my house, help this guy? I'm thinking, man, I, you know, was Lazarus, Lazarus was, was a good tither. He prays all the time. He cares for the poor. He's generous. Man, we can't lose Lazarus, God. He's too important to the kingdom. They don't write this, this, all his accolades. They don't try to persuade Jesus. We'll say, say Jesus or God. We don't pers- persuade Jesus to come over and help because of who Lazarus is. Man, Lazarus loves you so much, Jesus. Would you come over to the house and heal him? Because what moves God the most, and this is just really it for today, what moves God the most is not your love for him, but his love for you. What moves God the most is not your love for him, but his love for you. And some of us need to hear that because we switch the relationship around, that we are directing the love first. And if we can just love enough, God will respond. And we all drift in that relationship. I can drift into that relationship. If I work hard enough, if I, if I do enough with the, the church, if I serve enough, if I push up enough, I will have some value to him that he will move toward me. The sisters say, hey, the one you love is sick. That's what will move Jesus because Jesus loves him. Jesus loves Lazarus. It's, 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 it's God-loving this, this person is Jesus loving this man. It's not because of how good this man loved God. So what moves God the most is God. What moves God the most is, is him, is God himself. He moves toward us individually, collectively, toward the world because he loves us. And that's the gospel. And that's the gospel we sometimes mess up because we live in a system that's a little more based on reciprocation of love. And when we feel like things are down in our life, like, man, I just got to, guess I got to pray more. I guess I got to give more. I guess I got to do this more. I got to read more books. I guess I, whatever that thing is, that, that's, that's going to persuade God to move over. 
What will move God the most is not your love for him, but his love for you. It's not, not figuring out God's love language. God is love language. He is love. He's all the things. And so don't feel like, man, if I need God to work on my behalf, I have to do X, Y, and Z. Jesus, come save our brother. He's a really good person. He loves you a lot. He's like, oh, look at this. No, I, man, I guess I got to stop what I'm doing and go over him. Lord, the lo- one you love is sick. He's like, oh, man, I- I'm going to sort this out. And God's motivation for love is not always our feelings or affection, because sometimes we can confuse that, but it's what's best for us. And that's really how we, should, how we show love to anyone. The ultimate form of love is not what makes them feel better or good in the moment. If I really love somebody, what's in their best interest, right? When we raise our, our kids, they don't always like the way we show love. But man, my heart is like, this is what's going to be best for them in this, in this moment. And God loves that way. John 3, 16, anybody know it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved, God initiated action. God was not convinced. God was not drawn in. God was not lured in by enough temples, enough, enough notes going up, enough sacrifice, enough incense going up to heaven. God so loved. So loved, this, this, it's just as God loves, he's so loved as he was obsessed with it. It's like, I have to have that, that thing. I need that. I love it that much. I, I just can't even control myself. So he sends his only begotten son. God so loved this world. And if we look at God from, from the world perspective, world in, in, the, in the text, is, it's, it's the world. It's, it's the system of the world. It's, it's the brokenness of the world. It's the messy people of the world. Right? The world is, is, is really not that much different. We turn on the news, and, and it's, it's horrifying most of the time. The God would look down, and he'd see all those news stories like, I love this thing. I'm obsessed with this thing. In all its brokenness, God so loved the world. And then he says that whoever, whoever believes eternal life, whoever wants to get in on this thing, I don't care who, I don't care if they're the worst person, if they're the, if they're the best person, if they're the most far-off person, if they're a temple person, if they're a, if they're a person on the street, whoever, come on down. I want it for everybody. And he opens up this, 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 this gate through the person of Jesus, this, this invitation, whoever. He's just so giddy looking at the world. Like, I have, to, I have to have all this in here. Like, whoever wants to come in, come in. Broke down, corrupt, sinful Messed up, selfish, greedy world. I love it. It's not enough. If that world fixes itself up enough, ah, maybe worth exchanging. Probably not my son's life, but maybe like his finger. No, I love everything in that moment. Right? Romans talks about that. God's loved us while we're still yet sinners. We don't work toward that sort of affirmation, acceptance, we, we have it. God loves first. He loved us before we first loved him, so that whoever comes in, gets to come in. And we struggle with that. Our, our economy is so reciprocal in relationship and love, and there's expectations, right? Like if I give something, I'm expecting a thank you, 
not like the thank you notes I get on my car, but like a thank you or something. If you give your, if you give your spouse something, like you expect them to wear it, right? You gave me something, like, oh, are you going to wear that thing? Or if she's not wearing it like every day, like, oh, no, she's not wearing that necklace I got you. Because we're going to carry these expectations in there. If your kids give you some artwork, they kind of hope it's going to end up on the fridge, kind of expect it's going to end up on the fridge. If grandma makes something or someone brings something over, there's an expectation that I'm going to eat it. And those people who give gifts, right, we give gifts because we said that person probably deserves it enough. Like, yeah, my wife deserves tons of gifts. If I'm going to put extra time into to something to, to create and, and bring, bring to the table, like, yeah, these people will appreciate it. And God takes his risk, like, hey, I don't, I don't know if we're going to appreciate it. Some of you probably won't, but I still love it so much that I have to give everything for it. And he's not thrown off. God is not thrown off by the fact that you don't deserve it, his love. He's not thrown off that you don't deserve his son's life. He, he knows that. That's the point. That's gospel. And we come like, God, I'm so, I'm so sorry, God. Like, I, don't, I don't even deserve it. He's like, I know, but, they, but receive it. Enjoy it. Receive that love. Embrace, embrace that love. Let those sort of expectations on yourself sort of fall by the wayside, even as we, and if we understand, this is where I kind of felt like I had to start from here today, is this relationship with God, understanding his love comes at us relentlessly, unconditionally, endlessly, that helps form our love for one another. God's love will inform our love for the world, for our friends, for our spouses, for our coworkers, for the people we don't like, for neighbors, for, for people we, we, we pass by in the streets or work at the coffee shop. Let's, love, let's let God's love inform our love. Not the other way around. Like, well, here's how love works, God. We do X, Y, and Z, and when we really nail those five love languages, then it, then it works. God's like, I, love, I so love the world. As it was, I gave my everything for it. Lord, our, our, our brother's sick. He's dying. The one you love. Yeah, I love him. That's why I'm coming. I'm not become, coming because he's a good person. I, I, that doesn't even fit. That doesn't matter to God. I, I'm moving toward Lazarus because I love him. And that was, that was on the resume. Why does Lazarus deserve to be saved, healed, engaged by Jesus? Because God so loved God so loved. So we're just going to pray. We're going we're to close out with a song. And uh, Yeah, God, thank you for loving us. Lord, uh, Lord help us to understand love as we, as we dive into these stories over the next uh, month or so, God, and relationships that we're all in. And help us to understand, Lord, I ask, I want you to inform us on how to love, not the other way around. Those people in the room, this is ongoing, that you need to know that you are loved, and may you know that God loves you. He's already moved towards you. You don't have to write down all the reasons why God should come into your life. He's already coming into your life because he loves you. He's obsessed with you. Thank you for that, God. I, I pray that you would just break any of these strongholds that keep us from receiving your love. Doubt, insecurity, disbelief. Whatever, you, whatever. Have you been informed that you're not good enough from someone in, in, in your past? Know that God thinks you are. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. That website address again is N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.